Friends, it is now 10.15 and time for children's spiritual formation. For those of you who have children and would like them to join Natalie McMillan in the Zoom room, now is the time to get your children set up with their computers so they can participate in children's spiritual formation. You know, following Easter, we've been working our way through the book of Acts, the early church, and we're learning some things about what it means to be church through this particular book. We have a great story from the 8th chapter, beginning with the 26th verse of Acts, the story of Philip baptizing an Ethiopian. I invite you to listen with me for God's word. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home, seated in his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it heard him reading the prophet Isaiah, and he asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he replied, how can I, unless somebody guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. And who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, About whom, may I ask, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? And then Philip began to speak. Starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, Look, Here's water. What's to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop. And both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water and Philip baptized him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in a word of prayer? And so, Holy Spirit, as we just sang, come. We have come here to hear a word from the Lord. So speak to us now as only a living God can. For we pray in the name and for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Perhaps you've heard the story of the pastor from generations ago, in fact, centuries ago. He was a good pastor, but he loved horses. And he loved his own horse, most especially. On occasion, when congregants from the church would come to visit him, instead of being in his study, preparing for Sunday sermons, or instead of being out doing pastoral care with members of the congregation or some important work of the ministry, this pastor was often out riding his horse. So in order to avoid some conflict, the pastor decided to just name his horse church business. That way, if a 
congregant ever came to visit the office or his study and he wasn't there, he could legitimately say, I was out on church business. Now, I don't know about you, I know there are a lot of pastors working really hard, and I can tell you your pastors here at the San Marino Community Church are working really hard in this season of pandemic. But it's not because we have renamed our homes church business, and that's where you'll find us. These days are some of the most demanding in my ministry, but I've got to tell you they're also the most energizing. For example... Memorial Weekend is coming up. I thought you might be interested in some uh, little map of uh, our travel plans. My wife and I are planning to do a little traveling over the Memorial Weekend. Here it is. You can see. I don't know. You know, does this actually work humor in uh, online worship? I'm not sure if it will. I got to tell you, though, I've been so grateful for the kinds of emails and texts and letters and notes that you have sent in since this started almost nine, ten weeks ago. I received an email from one member of the church that read, I've never in my 38 years here in San Marino Community Church seen, it, seen the church work so hard, seen all of the staff grapple with the new form of worship over the last weeks. It seems to clarify one's theology even more, at least mine, she wrote. She's one of the numerous people who are part of our contact team. She's also on our prayer team, but she said the connect team has energized her and is literally connecting with hundreds of members and friends of the church to ensure that we're caring for those who are in the most need. We've even been delivering groceries to some. So we're grappling with church business. It's encouraging to get your notes and emails and your sense of affirmation supporting our team's efforts to bring lively, engaging worship into your homes. Thanks for participating in worship each week. Thanks for supporting things like our diaper drive, our attempts to gather non-perishable food items to restock food shelves in the area, And now, in this month of May, we have a clothing drive to help those who are experiencing homelessness. Thank you for supporting all of that, but most of all, thank you for supporting our worship life together. We are all in this church business together, and your participation makes a difference. This text in Acts of the Apostles with Philip and this Ethiopian eunuch is also about the church. It tells the story of one encounter in the early church that led to a baptism and then the expansion of the church into Africa. The action is completely directed in the narrative by the Holy Spirit that begins by telling Philip simply, get up and go. Get up and go. Go on the road to Gaza. I've got plans to use you. You're an instrument in my hand. He meets this exotic character from Ethiopia who is reading a scriptural text in Isaiah, but he doesn't understand the text. It's the text known as the suffering servant text in Isaiah 53. Philip interprets the text demonstrating 
that the life of Jesus gives meaning to the Scripture. And the Scripture gives meaning and understanding to the life of Jesus. The story is actually something of a blueprint for Christian mission. The Lord Jesus is recognized in those Scriptures. And he's recognized in the sacraments. There's this kind of convergence of interpretation in this text. Jesus is revealed in the scriptures, and the scriptures are revealed in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is actually a parallel scriptural text to this one, very similar. It's in Luke chapter 24. We call it the post-resurrection appearance of Jesus to disciples on the road to Emmaus. That's the road to Emmaus. This is the road to Gaza. But there are very similar activities that are going on. Jesus is being revealed. You may remember on the road to Emmaus, two disciples are discouraged. They don't know what to make of what's happening. And a stranger comes and walks along with them. He pretends to be going on and they invite him to dinner. And then the guest becomes the host. And in the breaking of the bread, they recognize him. This is about the sacrament of the Lord's Supper or Holy Communion. The one with Philip and the Ethiopian is about baptism. But Jesus is revealed along the road in the Scripture and through the sacraments. Two pilgrimages. Two ways of approaching the road to salvation. We're to get up and go. First, on a spiritual pilgrimage into the scripture to deepen our understanding. And then secondly, we're to get up and go on a pilgrimage towards those who are looking to understand and who are looking for meaning in faith and life. Each of us is to become an instrument in the hand of God Directed towards a destination we may not understand at the time, but if we're faithful, if we're obedient in time, it will become clear what God's intent is. My friend Rex McDaniel, who's the former pastor of the Calvary Presbyterian Church in South Pasadena, has a saying that I think captures this a little bit. He says, really, Jesus has given us two commandments. The first is to come. And the second is to go. Gather together. Come towards Christ. Join in the church's worship life. But then go and seek those who are need, in need of meaning and need of understanding. First you come to the Lord in worship. And then you go to those who are struggling to understand what God is up to in the world today. Here is an Ethiopian who receives faith, is baptized, and goes back to his home to begin some church business in Ethiopia. The good news is spreading far and wide. Nobody controls it but God. It's directed by the Spirit of God, and God is using instruments like Philip and you and me. Have you ever felt like you've been directed by the Holy Spirit? Maybe it was just a feeling of remarkable coincidence 
that puts you in some place and time in somebody else's life that you felt like God was directing you there. There was no other explanation. It was providential that you arrived there at that time. I can tell you as a pastor, there have been so many occasions where all the mundane things of life, my car, uh, traffic lights, my attitude, my timing, but all of those mundane things came together and I arrived in a hospital room or I arrived at somebody's home at just the right moment. It was providential, directed by the Holy Spirit. I bet you have experienced that very same thing. At some point, you began thinking about someone or somebody was laid on your heart in such a way that you made a phone call and it made such a difference in their life. Or you arrived at somebody's with a gift that you just were motivated to provide and it made such a difference in their life. I'll bet you've had that experience. That was Philip's experience that day. We don't really know much about Philip. He appears in the narrative in a couple of places, but he's not one of the main disciples. He's not a big part player in this narrative. We're probably much more aware of the baptism that occurs two chapters later in chapter 10, where Peter baptizes the first Gentile, Cornelius, the centurion, and his entire family. That's a much bigger story. But here we have this wonderful story of a bit part player in the narrative, Philip, who led by the Spirit baptizes this Ethiopian eunuch and in doing so expands the growth of the church into Africa. He's a lesser known disciple, but he plays a very important role in the narrative. This week, I was supposed to be in Princeton, New Jersey for a board of trustee meeting and for commencement to award degrees to graduating seminary students. And as a part of all of that, we were going to name the new library at Princeton. Commencement was postponed. The board of trustees meeting will take place by teleconference. And we've also postponed the naming of the library. But we will eventually name that library, and we'll name it in honor of the very first African-American graduate of Princeton Seminary. And he was the very first African-American to graduate from any seminary in this country. He graduated in 1829. Theodore Cedric Wright was an African-American abolitionist, a minister who was active in New York City. He was the the pastor of the First Colored Presbyterian Church in Harlem. In 1833, he became a founding member of the American Anti-Slavery Society. When we see the word Ethiopian in the text, it's probably a euphemism for people of color from Africa. The church, while doing church business through the centuries, hasn't always been inclusive like it needs to be. And like apparently it was in the first century. We ought to take our cues from Scripture in Acts of the Apostles. But the church has also been at the forefront at times of embracing 
all people as children of God, creating education, providing health care, and creating faith communities all over the world. The church has sometimes, thankfully, led in crossing boundaries between race and cultures and language groups and ethnicity, creating bridges and building consensus across all sorts of barriers. Here in San Gabriel Presbytery, in Southern California, on Sunday morning in Presbyterian churches, there are 10 different languages spoken in worship. That's the kind of church that the Spirit of God seems to be building. Communities of faith are coming together, and then they're being sent out towards those who are seeking deeper meaning in life and faith. The love of God in Jesus Christ cuts across every divide, every border, every boundary. And as Peter will then confess just two chapters later in chapter 10, he says, quote, I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears God and does what is right is acceptable to him. Hey, my point this morning is that God is at work in the world building the community of faith. And you and I are invited to be part of that church business. It doesn't matter whether you're a Peter or a Philip. It doesn't matter whether you're a Martha or a Mary. It doesn't matter whether you're Simeon or Anna. You have a role to play in this unfolding drama of salvation. The story in Acts is our story too. It's your story, it's my story. And there are no insignificant roles to be played in this drama. We get to play outsized roles and have remarkable influence, even though we're only bit part players in the church. You can be the one who shows up in somebody's life at just the right time. You can offer a word of encouragement or a clarification about some matter of faith with kindness that only you can provide. It might be somebody in your family. It might be some foreigner in your church or some person down the block in your own neighborhood. Who knows? Someone next week might be wearing a coat that you donated to the clothing drive. Somebody might be eating canned goods that you brought and dropped off here at the church to restock a food shelf. And they might be eating around their dinner table using a different language as their native language in conversation. There are no insignificant roles in the church. Let the Spirit of the Lord direct you and begin the two pilgrimages walking along the road of life, learning faith and Scripture, letting Jesus interpret the Scripture and letting the Scripture interpret Jesus. And then secondly, move towards those who are seeking meaning and understanding. You have to get up and go. 
Many of you know that this year, earlier in the year in February, my mother died after seven years of struggling with Alzheimer's disease. My father had died 26 years earlier, and my mother was a fairly young woman at that time. She decided that when it comes to the past and the present and the future, there's no ability to live in the past. You must live your life in the present and for the sake of the future. So as as difficult as it can be sometimes, we have to get on with our lives. My mother eventually remarried, and she was married for 17 years to my stepfather before his death a few years back. She heard the words, get up and go. Get on with your life. There's no living in the past. It's time to get on the road to Gaza. Begin the pilgrimage of faith. So the church can't live in the past either. We're making it up every week here at San Marino Community Church. We had to throw out the old playbook, and we're trying to figure out what it means to do ministry in this new environment. The old way of worshiping is no longer available to us. The Lord will meet us along this road because we're living in the present and for the sake of the future. Whatever role you play in the church, it's not insignificant. You can reflect the light and the love of God into somebody's life. God intends to use you as an instrument in the lives of others to give light to their path and lighten their load. So Christ will meet us as we journey along the road of faith. Let's decide together to live in the present, to move into the future with confidence that the Spirit is leading us to, and we will experience some remarkable and wonderful surprises along the way. Thanks be to God. Amen.